If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show, Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh, yes. La buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-through, and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. Oh, <laughs> babe, just a few. <laughs> All right, I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some too. <laughs> the smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Twist the season. For a Christmas episode of the Custard TV podcast, Matt's here in the north. How close are you to being done with Christmas for people? I've bought all my presents. Most of them have been delivered. They're not wrapped. I've got most of my food in. Have you been out to get stuff or have you just done online things? Online things mostly. I've been to back at my mum's not sure how much longer for, but the only shops where she like big shops are Morrison's, which I don't like because the aisles are really narrow, or there's an M&S food, so those are the, really, the only places. Oh, and there's a, co- a co-op, a little co-op again with really narrow aisles. The narrow thing, is that a COVID thing, or do you just hate narrowness? You can't Bit of both, really. Bit of both, but you can't social distance. Is it because you struggle on your mobility scooters again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, you can't talk <laughs> What um, do you want this year? Is there anything that you... I mean, you've been good most of the year, I, I think. I think I'm uh, probably mainly clothes, um, possibly a new uh, a new iPod. Um, they don't make them anymore. I know, a new, a new old iPod, restored. <laughs> a refurbished iPod. Yeah, yeah that's, that's basically my main present. I, I can't be doing with listening no. to things on my phone. I'm an old no. man. No. I like what I like. <laughs> Me and you both, <laughs> yes. I did. I got an old iPod refurbished. 
for my last holiday because I just I can't. It just drains no. your phone battery and. Yeah, and I don't uh, like the nanos or anything. I like a sort of bit, I like a bit of heft. One that you could put in your pockets if you ever yeah. wanted to walk in the sea. Wow. Rend it all. <laughs> Happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. <laughs> we have possibly the weirdest podcast we've ever done. The strangest selection of Christmas things to talk about. Do you want to explain how we reached the conclusions of, of the odd things that we're talking about this week? Most of which people won't be able to... Well, some people will be able to watch, but it's a weird selection of things yeah. is, is what well, I'm taking away. We're thinking about looking... Well, we are going to be looking at classic Christmas TV. Initially, I think most of our picks were comedy, weren't they? Because that's what we mostly associate with Christmas. So stuff like... Father Ted and The Good Life and Only Fools, for example. But then I was thinking, well, we need to sort of diversify a bit. So we had our, our comedy, which is The Royal Family. Then I said, well, we need to really do a soap, primarily in EastEnders. You know, EastEnders of the soaps are the ones with the memorable Christmas specials, I would say. You know, so that's why we're doing the 86 Christmas special. We then suggested a drama. You said stuff like Jonathan Creek, which you're a massive fan of, but that's never set at Christmas. There's always a lot of period dramas. So in the end, we decided to go for the classic 2000 reimagining of A Christmas Carol starring uh, everyone's favourite actor, Ross Kemp. It uh, might be the most 2000 show to yeah. air in 2000. Yeah. Finally, I, you know, I, I've been going back and having a look at the, you know, the classic Christmas schedules and, and there's always quite a lot of variety shows especially in the in the early days in the 60s and 70s including something called Christmas Night with the Stars which was a variety show of a lot of different comedy performers variety acts comedy characters so they'd have dad's army and things like that and and sort of having a look for one of those we came across a 1994 version which aired over the Christmas period and is hosted by Fry and Laurie we found that on YouTube so we thought we may as well watch that as well. So <laughs> that's how we came to our selection. You know, Luke, you're currently a BritBox sub- subscriber and, and you've told me that both the Christmas Carol and, and the EastEnders special are on there and, and the Royal Family is on uh, iPlayer currently and um, YouTube for the for the Christmas Night with the Stars if you want to watch along. Pause the podcast at this point and yes. then come back. <laughs> yes. We should say before we get into this one that the next one is my favourite podcast of the year because we only talk about shows we adore. We're looking, of course, at the best shows of the year. It's our best podcast of 2020. Uh, Make sure you join us for that. How is it going to work, Matt? So we are going, me and Luke are going to talk about our top 10 uh, shows of the year. 10 to 1, as we normally do. And we are also going to be asking several of our contributors to both the site and the podcast to bring in their top 10 as well, which we will count down at, at the same time to see if our lists differ in any way. We will ask you, I think, to send in yours on our social media. Uh, yeah. play, uh, um, social media our, platforms. Our platforms. Yes, so oh, an old man. Station. Get your iPod. Um, <laughs> <but it's, laughs> so that is at Pod on Twitter, or if you want to send it to Matt or myself, at Lou Custard TV on Twitter or at Matt TV Bites. 
You can also email your favourites of the year to custardtvreviews at gmail.com or even drop us a message on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash thecustardtv. What are your favourite shows of 2020, considering we haven't had all those big shows that we'd normally get? It's been an astonishing year, which Mm. we will look back at fondly for only its TV and virtually no other reason. We're going to do that next week on the podcast. We're going to start with, as Matt says, the 2000 reimagining of A Christmas Carol, which starred Ross Kemp. It's written by Peter Belker, whose recent um, writings include uh, World on Fire for the BBC and uh, three series of The A Word. I mean, contextually, this was a time where Ross Kemp left EastEnders, I believe, in 99, mm-hmm. um, sort of towards the the autumn of 99, and then had a golden handcuffs deal at ITV following that. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his, obviously, his big thing was Ultimate Force. And um, I never I, saw that, but it always made me smile, that title. <laughs> and I can't remember any, apart from this and that, I can't remember any other dramas that he did. Have you got s- some in the back pocket? Because uh, you're obscure ITV dramas of the early he 2000s. Did, he did a lot of one-offs, and they also did a, uh, a crime drama called Without Motive. Oh, that's um, okay. That, that was... would be your mastermind specialist subject, I think. Obscure early 2000s BBC yes. and ITV dramas. Yeah, that's what I'm used for. So this, <laughs> um, this... and I was just—I was just thinking while watching this. Sorry, before you go into it a little bit more, um, has there ever been someone from EastEnders who's gone on to have a post EastEnders career acting? Because I was thinking, obviously, no. Ross Kemp has had quite a lot of success, but that's at fronting documentaries. You know, apart from his sort of reappearances as Grant Mitchell in EastEnders, he's he's sort of kept away from acting really and has you know found a new career as a documentarian but the thing i think with leaving a soap is that you know especially when you're playing a memorable character is that people think oh you know they're going to have success afterwards but it's me i think a lot of the times it's that character and so many people have returned that weren't killed off because you I mean, know, Lacey Turner had an interesting. I was going to say Lacey Turner, but she never really capitalised on it. It felt that Lacey Turner sort of took the easy route and went back because I think she was just starting to find her feet with that first series of Our Girl after the special. You know, she had a bit, uh, a few sort of misstarts with that witch thing on on Sky. Do you remember that yeah, on Living? What's that called? No, Switch or Twitch Switch. or that was on ITV too. Was there something on Living as well? Oh, that was the, um, the um, supernatural thing in the house. Bedlam. 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 That's it. Some interesting choices and some interesting channels to, to be yes. But um, yeah, it seems like, I mean, I don't, I'm not a Corey fan, but it seems like people from there yeah. jump easily into proper careers. You think of Sarah Lancashire and Saran Jones and all those Catherine people. Kelly, yeah. Angela Griffin, Sally Lindsay. Yeah. They all sort of are able to jump, and I wonder whether that's because Corrie is more sort of down-to-earth, and mm. so those people can jump out into more in-depth drama and it fits easily. Tamsin Althwaite might be your, bet, your nearest, yeah, but then went back. Point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Like, new tricks, red cap. 
the fixer on the... ITV. Yeah, and I think again it's because she wasn't in it like too long, and uh, she, it wasn't like a memorable character, was it? I think that's the thing. Mel sort of was more of sort of like an every woman character, so she was able to slip into it a little bit more. But this is um, a Christmas Carol. It turns Ross Kemp into Eddie Scrooge. He's a debt collector. He's feared by everyone on the local estate. And as the story would suggest, he's visited by three ghosts from his past. The first being his evil, uh, neglectful father, uh, played by Warren Mitchell of Afghanit fame. He's also visited by the dead son of a woman he torments, Jacob Marley, played by Ray Freeran. Do, you, do I know him? I sort of recognised so, him. I mean, the, the Jacob Marley character is obviously the, the, you know, that was his partner in the in this debt-collecting agency. Yeah. And it starts really with a flashback to his death the Christmas before his shooting. And part of the, the thing of this is that maybe Eddie Scrooge knows more than he's laying on about this death. I thought, I mean, it's a very TV critic podcast thing to say, and we say it on a semi-weekly basis. When you say we, I... do you mean you? Yes. <laughs> But I thought tonally it was a it was a very confused piece, and because I, at so times I, it was really gritty and and you mm. know ITV drama of two thousand, and then at other times it was really Dickensian and and you know full of tweeness and didn't feel of the world. It was sort of I felt like a cut and shut to me. I I just found yeah. it really confusing. I think... What I felt was they worked backwards saying, we've got Ross Kemp, we want to do a Christmas carol, him as Scrooge, Peter Bowker writes something, go. And that's what it felt like it to me. It does feel very much like that. I, yes. It always gets me when there's versions, like modern updates of a Christmas carol, and they never reference that they know a Christmas carol. Because there's a bit where he goes, I'm expecting another ghost to come. Because he's had his, his dad's ghost, and he's like, mm. I need... And then, you know, Jacob turns up and... And they have, you know, their their adventure together. I mean, the other sort of plots here are his sort of lost love, who's this Irish nurse, Bella, whose best friend is Habib from the Thin Blue Line, who is <laughs> absolutely horrible in it. Her oh, character is God. absolutely horrible. And the, I, I, I mean, her thing is that she left him because he would never stop being a debt collector. The, I suppose the thing here is it keeps resetting to Christmas Eve and he keeps repeating Christmas Eve over and over again, doesn't he? And does things differently, slightly, slightly differently every time before he has the final redemption. There are, you know, people, his clients, as you were, you know, there's Liz mm. Smith's in there and, and Claudie Blake. Is it Claudie Blakely? Yeah. The actress who played the single mum. Michael Maloney as Bob Cratchit and Lorraine Ashbourne as his wife and Tiny Tim who's got, um, is it Spina Bifida? Yeah. So in that's this. what I mean. They sort of updated it to make it quite gritty and, and of the year 2000. But then some, the majority of it was almost too scared to go too too much that way so it's a lot of it seemed fanciful yeah and i think it's you know sacrilege maybe but i think it's a not a very good story that we've seen you know dramatized and yeah i don't think it's a very good story is it really? it's only a, i mean it's a, like a mini it's not even a novel really it's like a no, novella i wouldn't say not a very good story but it's very traditional and of its time and i think mm. But if you think a couple of years ago we had that, we didn't watch it for the podcast. No. But FX and the BBC did that the, gritty the, one. Steve, with, it was um, Stephen Knight mm. behind it with Guy Pearce. And I just, I just think, how many times can you mm. tell this 
rather lacklustre, warm-hearted story. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you need like a twist on it. What I, I suppose I I did like a couple of things in this. I liked the the way that. Um, Warren Mitchell's character was introduced mm. like through the TV and appearing on his security camera and things like that before coming into his house. The silent child who turned out to be his future child was the ghost of Christmas future. That was <laughs> creepy. Um, but as you say, you know, you, you are waiting for all those familiar beats, you know, him seeing his grave, the tiny Tim dying, the... Um, the, the Jacob Marley with the chains. The thing that got me, though, was that he admitted that he knew who was responsible for Jacob Marley's death. Never went to the police at the end. That's, that was he the said, sequel he that said ITV he was, didn't... He, was, didn't he said he was going to help Mrs. Marley get justice for her son, but yeah. the, the final scene is him in the future with this child and, and, and Bella and him wearing odd-fitting glasses old Ross Kemp, and it's like, well, surely you would have been implicated and had to go to jail for a couple of years because you were the one who asked this That's guy That's not to a nice him. ending to a Christmas story, well, though, no, is it? But it's, it, it just, it, 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 you know, troubled me. I think it tried to do too many things at once. That I think was my issue with it. Well. That was my issue. Um, it, felt, it felt like so many shows jumbled together. I also think Ross Kemp doesn't try particularly no. hard here. You know, he's not trying... To make you believe his performance. He's not you ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, a State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tura Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm... Estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Not even that particularly of an evil, sinister person, really. He's just, he's turned up, he's read the script, and he performs it as is. There's no right, new give one. Me a le- there. Give me a leather jacket and go. Yeah. And go. You just Ross Kemp, and I think that is an issue with an actor like that, is yeah. you never well, stop being aware that it's Ross Kemp you're watching. Grant Mitchell. Grant, yeah. he plays Grant, he's playing Grant Mitchell in everything. That's mm. what he plays. So. And you, a, a script could be fantastic, but you're never going to be able to switch that part of your brain no. off. That just sees Ross Kemp as Grant Mitchell again and again and again. Well, that's, Do you have uh, any sense of how well that did over that Christmas? Um, I can have. I mean, it was on. I believe before. I think I read that it was the twentieth of December that it aired. Okay. Um, that year, um, nine point four one million viewers. Wow. On the twentieth of December, uh, two thousand, tuned in for I this. I'd be killed for that now. Hmm. I think this is a time when people leaving a soap, they would be followed and people want to see what, what they, they would do next. next. 
Yeah, it does I, feel like because knowing a lot of Peter Boker's work from from this and Blackpool, and I watched one of his single dramas recently that I think is one of the best things I've seen, uh, and it does feel a bit like he was commissioned, as you say, to write this as a Ross Kemp vehicle rather than I'd like to do an updated Christmas Carol, which is possibly the thinking behind ITV. What can we give this new guy that we've got this handcuffed? deal with oh we'll, we'll do an updated scary christmas carol but it, i was never immersed i was never no, no, me too. involved so that was a christmas carol available now as part of Britbox, or as basically if you just leave itv3 on long enough you will come across it i'm sure across the festive period <laughs> Do you want to take a Christmas Next. night with the stars? Not particularly, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> so this is from uh, December the 27th, 1994. It's, as I say, it's sort of a collection of comedy skits and variety. I mean, Hugh, and, Hugh, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry, are, I thought, anchored it well. I, I don't think we remember how funny they were. Brian Laurie, you know, it we makes know... me. It made me realise that I haven't really seen much of mm. their stuff. You know, it's not mm. repeated often. Then they've not got, you know, I didn't see a lot of Smith and Jones at the time, but I, I obviously I picture them doing the conversations mm. sat opposite I remember each other. That. And I think Hugh and Laurie I... and Stephen, or Hugh and Stephen, didn't seem to have that abiding sketch that always gets repeated no. and they're known for i suppose i mean mm. i do remember some of their jeeves and worcester stuff obviously you know we went back and to watch blackadder but you know they're yeah. mainly known now for hugh laurie's house and stephen fryer's qi national you know, treasure national treasure exactly but this was a collection of comics of the time so we had reeves and mortimer uh, we had the fast show we had rabsy nesbitt the forgotten um, sketch show, The Real McCoy. Completely forgot about that, yeah. yeah. That got quite high billing on, mm. on the show. Which was a sketch show of Afro-Caribbean performers, um, which I think in 94 was quite groundbreaking in a way, even though one of the characters was a Chris Eubank impression <laughs> that we got on this. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the Reeves and Mortimer thing, I think, disappointed me to an extent because that it was That was there. a terrible sketch. Mm. For me, it ended on a high with the Alan Partridge stuff. I don't know if mm. you agree. It's what I found it weird was I I've never seen that. I've never heard about that. It was like discovering something for the first time. It was like uncovering a proper gem that nobody else knew about. And I wouldn't have seen it had we not decided on a whim to find this on YouTube and watch it. And that was a real high. And it seemed yeah. like for the show that was something they were building to as well because mm. they did mention it that that people have been calling in as they said to, to find out when a, alan partridge would make his appearance did it make you nostalgic or was it just a weird viewing experience for you i think for me it's a little bit early time for me to be nostalgic obviously you know we would have been 11 at the time and i don't think it was fully this you know the sum of its parts i think it relied on fry and laurie a little bit too much to had to an extent i did like the fact that it did show off that hugh laurie was the you know was a really talented musician 
you know, he, he sung and, and, and played piano on it. It was an hour and ten minutes long. There was a lot of archive material from previous Christmas nights with the stars and, and previous BBC Christmas specials. I did enjoy the, the finale when they brought everybody on and did loads mm. of Christmas songs. There was yeah. also Sandy Shaw for some reason. That seemed oh, like an odd booking. Yeah, and the, and the Ronnie Corbett stuff was, was was a nice bit of nostalgia, Ronnie Corbett yes. in the chair. I, I, I suppose my question to you is, do you think something like this will work today? I don't know who they would get on. I think we're all too cynical. I think Michael McIntyre's stuff is is the nearest, really, that they've come to it, really. But they, they? we don't really have that culture of sketch comedy now, no. do we? Or things that we're nostalgic for all characters to bring back. And I do think as good as Fry and Laurie were, it didn't feel like the the right fit for that. But Stephen Fry seemed particularly I could almost feel that he was uncomfortable there. Well, yeah. It didn't it, feel right, did it? It's an element of sort of faux sincerity, but I don't know if that's w- what they were going for. You know, I don't know if this their hosting style was meant to be tongue-in-cheek because this is like, you know, this is a Christmas tradition, but we are upending it. You know, we're on BBC Two. We're not on Christmas Day. We've got all these new comics that we're promoting again like you said with christmas carol a bit of imbalance of tone really and it felt Uh, it felt authentically bbc2 in as much as it felt anarchic in lots of in 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 lots of ways but i just think the acts didn't really gel together shows like this they always feel the need they always feel like they got some padding in them and this felt like it had it did a lot have, of padding. It had a lot of classic clips, didn't it? And even the classic clips didn't really make sense in the context of where they were or what they were displaying. I always like the classic clips because it's always a look back onto a completely different time and era and what was funny then. But yeah, it, it, this didn't. I expected more from this than it delivered. The nearest thing we've had to the, this. This this year is the Gary Barlow thing last week at the uh, Natural History oh, Museum. I saw that. Um, I can tell a bit, you're back at your mum's. Yeah, I caused a bit. Well, I, I say a bit. Probably the first half. He he shouldn't try and do comedy. Let's just say Gary Barlow. Try, there was a, a an ongoing skit where Jack Whitehall was trying to get across London so he could sing with Gary Barlow by the end of the show. I but personally he, think that Jack uh, Whitehall shouldn't try and do comedy really either. So it's a bad <laughs> combination. <laughs> But that's who it would be now, isn't it? Like, you know, all these... It would be mainly these comics. I think character-wise, I would be thinking, you know, like, this country. I know there's stuff like People Just Do Nothing that's quite popular. Yeah. You'd probably yeah. get, like, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge doing Fleabag, perhaps. I mean, you still might get Alan Partridge. <laughs> I mean, so... I suppose this was comic relief without the mm. video, the videos in between asking for money it was a it was a good celebration of bbc2 talent at the time i suppose it was a showcase for the comedy they had uh and the comedy that had come before it but it just it didn't feel old hat but it felt strange Mm. to watch it i thought i would feel more of a connection to it as we were we're from that era and we sort of know who these people are but i didn't feel that connection it's going well it feels very (laughs) christmassy I think you should lead us through the royal family there, really, because this is yes. your... Although we so both love it. We chose the 1990... 
nine special of the royal family this is the royal family episode that the, the several royal family episode but this was the first one to make me cry and i was very close to it when i rewatched it for the purposes of this podcast so this is the royal family on christmas day they've had their meal and we're back in the living room with them denise is fit to pop she's nearly giving birth Nana's come over to spend Christmas Day with the family. They've all digesting their meals. Jim's moaning about the fact that it's the one time of the year that we all get together to watch the TV and look at the crap they put on. One of my favourite Royal Family jokes is in this episode where Nana says... Hey, Barbara, you know that stuff that Anthony bought me from Body Shop, don't you? Yeah. Do you want it said on it? Not tested on animals. What do you think? Well, what do you mean? Well, suppose he's somewhere to fall on a dog. I didn't say anything to Anthony. It wasn't his fault. Whenever I think of this episode, I think of the moment that is key in it where Denise goes upstairs and her waters break and she goes into a panic. Dave's not there because he's taking Nana back. There's this real sweet heart-to-heart moment between her and her dad when she's got this real loss of confidence of how she's going to be as a mother. She doesn't know anything about babies and her world falls apart and he's there to comfort her. But there's a lot before that that I'd kind of forgotten was in this episode that was really, really heartwarming, funny, ridiculous, just expertly plotted, expertly written, as the royal family always is. But it's always that final section where these two characters who do spend the majority of the show not bickering at each other, but taking the mick out of yeah, sniping at each other. Yeah, but then they have this real heart-to-heart. You see the people they are. You get a glimpse of maybe what their life was like uh, when Denise and Anthony were growing up. She mm. says to her dad, will you be there to support me while I'm having the baby? He said, yes, I'll be right there outside. <laughs> but your, your mother will be there. Yeah, it's I mean, like we can, I mean we can recite all my, you yes. know this is one we've seen so many times both of us with Ricky Tomlinson I remember seeing in an interview that he oh. it reminded him when his own daughter gave mm. birth because I think scene that scene is incredibly emotional there's not really that I'll be outside is the only joke in it really the, oh, other, no, one not, is... the other one is Denise <laughs> yeah you're definitely sure it wasn't just a great big piss love no, I know it wasn't. It's, it's <laughs> lovely. It's one of the most tender, sweet, um, unassuming Christmas specials that I think British television has ever delivered. Because even the sequence early on in the living room where Barbara's asking everyone in the room what they thought about the turkey. And... Did you like that turkey, Jim? A little bit dry, wasn't it, Bab? you ma'am I've never liked turkey Barbara did you like it Dave mm, good check it or leave it me Barbara did you like it Denise no I didn't like it there's no flavour how about you Anthony mm, not bothered really no Oh, I don't think I'll bother getting the turkey next Christmas. Oh, 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 o
turkey at mm. Christmas. Bloody hell, Bob. Don't be such a bloody killjoy. There's so many great little nuggets. And, uh, and, and it, it encapsulates everything I love about the royal family in a very tight 38 minutes. And the other thing as well is, would like anyone like a sandwich? And Dave goes, what's in it? Well, turkey. turkey. The other thing as well, you know, you always talk about the writing, but I think it's the direction as well. It's mm. the camera panning into yeah. the, where it starts. You've got Jim, Nana, Dave and, and Anthony around the TV. Expect Nana's asleep. Dave, I think, is is he cracking nuts or something with yeah. the nutcracker, and yeah. and Anthony's just sitting there with that gormless expression on his face that he yeah. perfected. And then you've got Barbara on the phone to Denise on her mobile upstairs, which yeah. is a, you know, how much it costs to ring someone on one of their mobiles. But I think it's the production design. Mm. It's a Christmas that we all recognise. All the quality yeah. streets and roses out on the thing. The the eat me date, and and I think as you say with the royal family, it's really hard because it's all done in real time up until like some of the more recent specials that they did. The first three series were all sort of snapshots of moments in real time, and I think it's it's great that they captured rather than doing the Christmas dinner that after you know when you're all sitting down digesting it yeah. half asleep. Yeah. Uh, with your hats on from your Christmas crackers, you know, and talking about Anthony's going round to Emma's, Nana's going to see Elsie. Can I keep this out, Barbara? I'd like to show it to Elsie. She'd like that, being housebound. Yes. Do you want to take her a hat, Mum? Oh, yes, please, love, yeah. Would you want to take her a cracker, Mum? No, I don't think she'd be up to pulling it. She's very weak, you know. I don't think she could stand the bang. She's been a bit egg-bound lately, as I'll say. The bang might start the ball rolling. Egg-bound, house-bound. Not much hope for poor bloody Elsie, is there? Everything about that episode is perfect. I don't think there's a dull moment. I don't think there's a joke that doesn't land. There's not a dull moment, even though there's not a lot happening, and some no. of it is just them watching that snowman ballet which is the thing that's on yeah. for you know because he switches over noel edmonds doesn't he there's uh, such a lot of world building that they mm, do in those little moments that you characters just... we never see yes i agree with you i think it's perfectly it's perfectly paced and i think that's the thing with royal family is it's the first of these shows where it's just like seeing your christmas on screen mm. you know yeah. i think yeah. i remember they're seeing Victoria Wood saying, you know, dinner ladies came out the first year as the royal family and she was she'd made this really traditional studio based sitcom and she thought, Oh bugger, it's it uh, it's I, I'm too late, you know, this is this is gonna be the new thing. But I think this was the thing that put the royal family on the map. The first mm. series, as I think I've said before, was on BBC two got some traction in repeats. The second series was on BBC One, I think, but not under sort of primed. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm. Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app. 
app to get pre-qualified today. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Time And this, I believe, was on post-film on, on Christmas night. And I think this is, you know, because you've got that captive audience who may not have seen The Royal Family prior to this. Uh, I think it's one of those rare shows where it wouldn't have mattered if you'd never seen it. And yeah. you'd find yourself interested and immediately involved in these characters' lives regardless. Because actually looking at that Christmas that Christmas night, so it's actually quite a busy one because you've got two EastEnders, you've got a uh, David Copperfield, you actually had a Vicar of Dibley that night as well, and and uh, before they were famous, and this was I think buried away at about ten thirty or something like that, so it was on quite late, but people who were staying up obviously, uh, you know, it captivated people, and I think you, as you say, where it turns is when Denise goes upstairs to her, and, we, and we're not expecting that and as I, I saw someone say on a, a compilation show you know we never really went upstairs did we? No you know, it's a, quite a treat. I think you saw that there was that one where you saw them in bed together where there's that episode where it's all late at night when Denise and Dave come back bowing and, and you do see Jim and Barbara in bed together but it's very rare that you go outside of the lounge in the kitchen. Again it's there is dialogue, but it's also the moments of silence between them that really... I think it, it's the pacing of the dialogue. It's, it's just so nuanced. It's just so... Mm. You feel like every moment is put, is picked perfectly. I like the fact we didn't see anyone else but the royals. There was mention of Cheryl having a diet Christmas dinner and... Weight the, Watchers. The, 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 the friends the, she'd made it with. The, just... the Fat Bride from Hyde. I knew I loved this episode, but when I normally watch it, I gravitate to the moments I love. And because I was watching it for this, I was really trying to pick it apart. And I think it's damn perfect, really. If you're going to say anything bad about it, then this may be your last appearance on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'd seen that bathroom scene mm. so many times. Did it move you this time, or were you just, you've seen it so I many mean, I times? didn't, it didn't. I, I, you know, it did make me tear up as it did, as it has done previously. It's still very moving. You know, I still remember watching it and 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 how I felt at the time. Yeah, and, me you too. know, as I say, I think it's something that really put the show on the map and made it a comedy treasure. You know, a, a much loved comedy and one that they sort of spoiled by relying on too much as a Christmas staple. I think the reasons. The returns, ignoring the Queen of Sheba, which I held up there as a masterpiece as well. I think the reasons the returns didn't work is because they almost forgot how to write. Particularly Caroline and Craig seem to forget how to write their characters. And I, I could never understand why this girl that was crying on the bathroom floor a couple of years earlier was now, you know, not able to put together a a Christmas meal for people and was just putting bananas in a punch bowl with some odd things she'd make. It was so trying to be overtly comic and that's the brilliance oh, yeah. of the comedy in the Royal Family was it came from 
the dialogue and the world building and those people connecting with one another. It wasn't about big slapsticky moments and and silliness. It, there was not any silliness but in it before. I think Dave, the, I, when, I, when yeah. they saw when I saw Dave bathing with the turkey to try and defrost it, it was like watching a different show entirely. And it was I, so I would. I would argue that he went downhill in that third series. Dave was just the thick one, whereas before he hadn't been. You know, Denise was the lazy one. You know, he got. I think those characters got diluted down mm. in the third series, and then when they brought it back, they went. We've got to make Dave as thick as possible. We've got to make Denise as useless as possible. I don't think I had as much of an issue with that as you did. The stuff mm. with the turkey, the defrosting the turkey, because that felt real to that character that she never cooked anything and when she's got to cook Christmas dinner she'll forget to defrost the turkey mm. that all made sense to me I get that you didn't like the fact it was a lot more slapsticky it was just more cartoony it had gone from this sort of gritty clever talking head type drama comedy into this more cartoony exaggerated comedy world that I didn't think was the show I, I wanted it to be uh, and wasn't the show I remembered but yeah, Statue. this was this was perfect. This one. Okay, that is the royal family, and as I don't know whether we said it as part of the podcast or not, but it's all there under the Christmas tag on the BBC iPlayer, and this is what the iPlayer should be used for. So bravo, the BBC for putting some uh, well loved and expected Christmas specials up there for people to watch at their leisure. <laughs> Up, we travel to a time where Matt and I were three. Mm. How much of it do you remember? <laughs> Being three, not a lot. Yeah, no. So we're going back to a time where Matt and I were three. I'm talking, of course, about 1986 and possibly one of the more well-known, if not most seen, soap moments in history that just so happened to land at Christmas. It is, of course, Merry Christmas, Ange. With Den delivering the uh, divorce papers to Angie in the Vic during a big Christmas celebration. Uh, this was a two part episode. Christmas Day 86. You've got. It starts obviously with uh, Russ Abbott, as every Christmas does. Of course it Christmas does, does, as every Christmas does. And then uh, the first EastEnders, then Only Fools and Horses. I'm not quite sure if you can tell me which the 86 Christmas special 86 is. 86 was called. It was either 86, hang on, bear with, bear with. I'm going to do this off my memory. What's your guess? Royal Flush. Royal Flush, and our survey says... <laughs> um, do, 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 do. It is a Royal Flush. Oh, happy Christmas to me. And that yes. got a, a paltry 18.8 million. Yeah, it wasn't the best one. <laughs> um... And then a Miss Marple, and then the second... So, actually, EastEnders was the main event there, in a way, unless you say okay. Miss Marple was the main event. Um, up against an ITV lineup that was mainly films that year. Never Say Never Again and Dead Man's Folly. And a Christmas special of Duty Free with Keith Barron. This really was sort of a game-changer for Christmas lineups uh, in yeah. terms of soaps taking centre stage. And EastEnders, obviously, in its infancy here... 
started in 85, 85. And there was an episode on Christmas Eve, but not on Christmas Day. Interestingly, EastEnders isn't on Christmas Day again until 1992. And from there, I think it's on every Christmas. This changed the game in, you know, people soaps allowing stories to build up for months and climaxing on christmas which is what we see more and more have you ever watched this in its entirety before no. is this no, is no, this no. the first you've only see, ever seen the clip of, of yeah the... never seen it the best thing to do maybe is break this down sort of story by story and then say how it sort of fit together i mean the two main stories obviously you've got the den and Ange build up the sort of the preamble is that den was going to split up with Ange and, and hook up with his posh mistress mm. uh, and um she lied and said she only had a few months to live he found out that this was a lie when they were on a holiday on the orient express the audience knew that he was going to divorce her but he chose you know he chose the most dramatic day basically to give it to her as a christmas present i'm interested to see because i know you you're a bit of a thing when it comes to soap performances what did you think to anita dobson's performance as angie this was my first proper exposure to her i didn't like the performance at all i saw (laughs) her in i saw her in panto last year at my local theater and there was no difference. But I can't understand, based and my opinions, I should say, are based solely on what I saw across these two Christmas Day episodes. I cannot understand why her time in that soap is so lauded about, so spoken about by mad fans of the show, why Anita Dobson is so beloved. Because I, I just thought she was horrific, just awful. I think here in a snapshot, you know, this is a character who suffers with mental health, who's clearly yeah. unhinged. Had a battle putting, with alcoholism yeah. as well. But I think the way she delivers some of the lines <laughs> leaves mm. a lot to be desired. I yeah. think, you know, Leslie Grantham has that presence to him, you know, where you can believe that everyone sort of leans on his every word you know he's the boss he's the boss of the manor and she's wanting the perfect christmas you know she invites a, a variety of characters around for christmas day dinner and then they open the pub in the afternoon into the evening and it's that first episode where he delivers the divorce papers and then the second episode it's sort of Sharon finding out and them leaving the Vic, which again is, is the other moment that's replayed, isn't it? Where everyone's singing around the piano and then they're sort of leaving through the front door. And, and actually, though, I think what is forgotten is that the, the final cliffhanger for this one is Pauline finding out that he is the dad of Michelle's baby. Mm. And they do a weird zoom in and <laughs> shot, don't they? Sort of. A very an- acorn antique for those of you who know what that is. <laughs> the thing that works better here and gives, it, I think, gives it some heft. And I think that you know, future Christmas EastEnders, which focus on big sort of reveal, whether it be, I mean, there was the three Deirdrick Santa Christmas specials, two thousand seven with the wedding video with Max and Stacey, two thousand eight with the Roxy and Sean Christmas cracker. DNA reveal <laughs> and then the 2009 who killed Archie Mitchell which was all about the shock twists and the and the reveals and what have you but what I felt added the drama and the the character to this was the storyline with Arthur and his mm. mental illness and I think that was something that in 1986 especially wasn't really talked about you know this no, depression no. Pauline struggle to you know, saying, I wish there was something I could do. Him coming downstairs to sort of put on the acts of the Patriarch coming down to carve the Christmas turkey. And actually that second episode, I felt that, you know, Bill Treacher's performance where 
he's been left on his own in the house to look after really the kids. Really properly while, like, moving that. I while really everyone else it. goes to look, you know, goes to the pub, and he's, you know, having these conversations with the children. I really enjoyed it. Really invested in it. Really, I the emo the, the emotional heft of of what was going on for him was not lost on me, and I think it, it's a it's testament to what EastEnders can do really well. They haven't done it for a long time, but they can really do that gritty kitchen sink drama really well and put things onto a character that we know and respect and been on a journey with. I really enjoyed it. I thought his performance was so believable, so tender. And the moments where he's talking to baby Vicky and little Martin and sort of explaining his worries, really, 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 really touching. I liked tying everyone together. There's I think... This recurring gag with the whistling mm, key rings and, <laughs> and and the shout and the uh, men's toilets clogging up and all the men yeah. having to go down the alley to relieve themselves it had a real sense of community yeah i'm sure at the time it felt like you were just somebody going to the queen vic it felt like this is what a proper East End boozer would be doing on Christmas night everybody a little bit merry and enjoying each other's company and singing they had a wonderful sense of community. It was quite and it, yeah. enjoyable. And these characters were quite raw and not always, like yeah. you know, like, for example, like Pat. You know, they, yeah. this was sort of classic Pat trying to wind up Pete, but then she's got that relationship with Mary and yeah. and I think forgotten characters like Colin and Barry. And Colin was actually oh, that, quite... A... One of my favourite scenes was the scene with Doc going round, yeah. oh, it doesn't smell very Christmassy in here. I'm not doing a turkey, all that will explain it. You know, these delicate scenes that they have where she's just giving him this gift of this thing that finds his car keys for him. And, and like having Ethel there, you know, with Willie the dog bringing a gift for Rolly. <laughs> you know, it Ethel just had just... this, it had this sense of pace and the fact that they were all going to gather at the Vic. It did, what I liked about it, what I appreciated about it, specifically looking at it through the lens of a soap viewer now is that it wasn't heightened at all everything no. felt really organic felt really natural and it didn't feel like they were doing anything for shock value the actual scene that we know the merry the christmas divorce space, merry christmas Ange, even that's not really played no. dramatically it has it's... the little speech up to it doesn't it you mm. know like this, my yeah. sweet, is a litter from my solicitor informing yeah. you. And I think, you know, like we said about the royal family, people can see their own Christmases here. And, you know, there's not a dud character there, really. You know, Lou Beale trying to be sympathetic towards what Arthur's going through. I like those. That, and, and Pete saying, you know, I'm sorry I didn't come to Christmas. We'll come next year. And then him and then her saying to Ethel, I don't know if I've forgiven you yet yeah, for not for coming. Having... Yeah, because. You know, I think that's what's... And we were saying this, you know, this is what's lost now. You know, they don't have these matriarchs. They don't have these sort of strong characters. I just think they had such a variety of characters. They had that authenticity of this could be like your Christmas dinner. And uh, it was a very... It felt like a very rich world as well. It just felt like and as you I'm say, watching a community. And there's that's that the sense of, as you say, sense of community and everyone sort of being linked together by these mm. various plots, whereas... I find now, and I haven't watched EastEnders since we last talked about the anniversary special, it doesn't feel like those characters are links together anymore, you know. You, they're you only linked the... together because oh, they live there. Yeah. 
you are with the characters that you currently have a storyline with and that's it and then you will swap mm. around the next cycle of storylines whereas yeah. everyone was even if you don't have a storyline you know they don't have characters like an ethel anymore you know who didn't really have a lot of story but was there but felt and, like connective tissue other, in a way and i think the old really. fella tom as well you know just extra characters i mean i know the thing we remember is the the divorce papers but i found it surprisingly warm and cheery as well and yeah. you don't find that with eastenders because that the, the whole thing of it now is always oh, it, it corrie's the funny one and the upbeat mm. one and eastenders is the dreary one but I think this was quite jolly it's in, in its own off. way. Yeah. yeah, I found it so easy that it really surprised me how much I... I don't know whether quote-unquote enjoyed it, but I really respected it for what it was and what it tried to do. And I can imagine really enjoying that had I been able to on the Christmas night. This got like 20... Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today 320 i don't know how many million watched it but it was a real game changer in terms of what could be on on christmas night i know i just have and, a little... and presumably what eastenders could achieve as well mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. whenever somebody talks about big moments that's always the first one mm. the reveals since on christmases have been less successful uh, mm. because i think they forget that it's so it was one of many different things in this episode and rather than just the thing that anchored it. EastEnders 1986 is on Britbox should you want to revisit it and it wouldn't be our Christmas show without looking at the festive highlights as much as they are Um, what have we got to look forward to Matt on Christmas Eve in terms of the BBC schedules they're repeating the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special from last year I find that bizarre because it was so watched at the time. Huge figures on iPlayer. Is it starting up a nostalgia for it? Is it the idea that people would just watch it because it's something festive on mm. Christmas Day? Probably. But I just think it's a, sh- it's a shame that they can't find anything else. We've got a new Wurzel Gummidge on that, on that night. They've got a Would I Lie to You at Christmas. We've got the aforementioned EastEnders leading into Gavin and Stacey. They are Luke. I know what Gary's looking forward to. Miranda's games with Shoby's names. <sighs> and then a Have I Got News For You sort of 30 years retrospective. So that's sort of your Christmas Eve night. BBC Two, meanwhile, they've got sort of, you know, the standard university challenge. Interesting one here is a comic relief pantomime for Christmas. Oh, dear. On um, ITV, they similarly have got a mixture of Christmas specials of their game shows such as tipping point and catchphrase uh, they've got an alan carr epic game show christmas special and, mm. and an interesting one for me here is that they're bringing back birds of a feather without pauline quirk what bubble is pauline in that she wasn't able to get back to film the well birds i believe she's pe- focusing on her performing arts schools but there's someone in this, isn't there? Someone big is, is in Les this. Les Dennis. Les Dennis, that's it, yeah. Someone, whenever you say someone big, he immediately comes to mind. 
<laughs> a, a name. He's a, he's, a, he's a name, you know. He's he, he, I knew his name. Channel 4, I always like their schedules because they always try and do something a little bit different. Obviously, there's been the, they're saying now the focus in Channel 4 is mainly sort of their online side, isn't it? And, mm. and producing shows that are, I suppose, flat tense shows, which yeah. are more tailored to the younger is demographic. Is there a child genius this year? I can't see. I mean, I've only really looked at the sort of the key days. So on Christmas Eve, they've got Reindeer School at Christmas. Christmas Bake Off, Celebrity Crystal Maze, and possibly the one that I'm most intrigued in is is One Night in Hamleys, which is the the London toy shop. I remember. Did you ever watch the Liberty of London series that they? Did? Yes, I did. But this is weird. This this isn't what I thought it was. Okay, I don't know what it is. What is it, Luke? Okay, so this is three comedians, one night, no grown-ups, Christmas special, Romesh Ranganathan, Rob Beckett and Tom Allen are locked in there overnight <laughs> with no security guards to tell funny, festive stories and hang out together and play with the toys. Well, I'm not going to so... watch it now. I thought it would be like a fly-on-the-wall thing. <laughs> and that sounds awful. That. That does sound awful. Can we just lock them in for the yeah. remainder of 21-2021? Well, my mum loves Tom Allen for some reason. I don't yeah, quite know. We need know. to have a word. Yeah. And and for those completists out there, uh, Channel 5, A Wartime at Christmas, Cliff Richard's Christmas Story, and what you've told me is a repeat, We Love Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, that is a repeat. Okay. Yeah. So we'll move to uh, Christmas Day itself on BBC One. They have got some of the standards there. They've got your Strictly, which is on at 4.45 and is a a countdown show this year because obviously they weren't able to record uh, what they would normally... Because what they would normally do for their Christmas specials is bring people back for sort of one-off Christmas dances. I liked it back in... I know you don't watch Strictly at all, but I used to like the Strictly Christmas specials they did sort of back in the day where they had people who couldn't do all all so like for example a june brown i think would struggle to uh do a full 12 you know how many weeks they go on or how much training they do but could sort of do one dance or i believe sheila hancock was on there vince cable people like that you know that that wanted to do it but couldn't commit to a whole series but now it's people who've been on it before coming back to do some sort of christmas themed dance but with obviously all the bubbling they're doing this year, the, 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 they've obviously changed it to the best of the Christmas specials, basically. Paul the Midwife is on uh, EastEnders, as, as Luke says, um, in the primetime slot. Or is it the lead-in for Mrs. Brown's Boys? Who can say? Um, there's also a blank. They're bringing back Blankety Blank. Blank, I was just going to mention that. Yeah. And who's hosting that? Reminds me Bradley Walsh. Yeah. The big thing on BBC Two, you know, generally there's a lot of repeats on. There's a new Victoria Wood thing about her favorite. I believe yeah. is it about her favorite sketches that she's yes. done? Uh, that they found like a notebook. A of hers. That's on at nine ten. That's going up against EastEnders on BBC. That's that's probably what you'll be watching, won't it? Yes. Because I haven't watched EastEnders since February, probably. Do you, are you still watching it? Just generally? yeah, it's just on in the house. Just <laughs> on in the house. <laughs> but I was looking. I was looking yesterday, and actually, I could catch up with it because the iPlayer is has got every episode this year. So if I really wanted to catch up, with oh my god, yeah, that time. Corey and Emma Dale are sort of dominating the ITV schedules. But 
I'm interested in the fact that they've got a two-hour Britain's Got Talent special. What is that going to be? Okay, Britain's so... Talent Christmas special, you're going to tell me. The details are thin on the ground, but I have lifted them up and placed them on a table, and I'm going to sort through them. You know you're an investigative reporter, Luke. That's yes, very great. much so. So, it's going to reunite some classic BGT performers to perform again. The judges are also going to perform a talent which has been undisclosed. The judges being the ones from the most recent series of Britain's Got Talent. Simon Cowell is supposed to be making a Zoom appearance as well, but it's just a celebration of the show, and it's going out on Christmas Day. And this is because ITV normally would do the Downtons, and they're taking a bit of a gamble. No, with... I mean, ITV don't really try on They Christmas don't Day. really try, no, and they're and... giving it a go, so yeah. it'd be interesting to yeah, see so how Yeah, so this is because it's normally... Emmerdale and Corrie are normally in the big slots, and I can't even remember what was on alongside them last year. They, Not... I don't remember last year. They've put May Grey there before yeah, on Victoria, Christmas Day. Victoria, but I think that was yeah. Christmas Eve, was it? Victoria, was that? No, that was a Christmas Day. I mean, as you say, like, the Downtons were the big things but since then i mean when we, the last downtime was probably what 2015 and that and that may be enough to compete with what's on i think that's going across blankety blank and then eastenders so be interesting to see who wins there obviously you know mrs brown's boys normally wins the night doesn't it? <laughs> after that they've got uh it's clocks and on tv any any that? that is do you remember years ago i can't remember who used to do it maybe angus deaton or 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 tarrant they sort of do a review of the year's TV, sort of mm. a comical sideways look. And because Clarkson is now an ITV name doing a millionaire, they've given that yeah. programme to him. It's sort of a sideways look at the year's okay. TV through Clarkson's eyes. That's what that is. It's only 40 minutes long, so we can... <laughs> and some of that will be ads. <laughs> <laughs> Most of it, probably. Um, On Channel 4, not a lot, really. I mean, the big thing is best of 2020 goggle box uh they've got their, their animation this year which is clown um, the thing is like you i'm gonna have my brother my sister and brother-in-law stay over and i just know not that there's anything there i'll be upset to miss but we'll be one of those families this year that has a film that we want to see or something on netflix that appears and there's just nothing where i could say to to anyone else in the house Let's watch this. Let's enjoy this because I just nothing appeals at all. Well, oh, go on. Sorry, Channel Five. Sorry, I spoke too soon. Six twenty-five to nine ten are showing Britain's favourite eighties songs. So you never know. Sorry, relax. <laughs> that's relax. probably that's probably on there somewhere. Yeah. Don't do it. I should. I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't have spoken too soon. Don't you want me to enjoy Christmas night? Yes, and then, that'll be on there. Followed by Freddie Mercury, A Christmas Story, and George Michael's Last Christmas, which sounds quite Oh, ironically, it was <laughs> as well. Awful. Whip through Boxing Day, because, again, there's not there's not a great deal. Uh, BBC One have got two of their favourites. They've got The Repair Shop at Christmas mm-hmm. and the celebrity special of the Great British Sewing Bee. They're missing Bake Off, aren't they? <laughs> EastEnders, obviously, and the film the film premiere of Dunkirk is the That's other. a good choice. Yeah? That's a good choice. Boxing Day on ITV. Interestingly, they are debuting the new series of The Masked Singer on Boxing Day. Is that because it's a Saturday? So, yeah, 7pm. Oh, okay. 
So it would be on Saturdays normally, so they just it just happens to be yeah. around on Boxing Day. Okay. Yeah. Got, I think you've that got more of a captive audience there, haven't you, as well? Whereas, you know, H- hungover audience. On Boxing Day. At seven... If it goes well. <laughs> at 7 o'clock. If, if Christmas Day goes well. And on Channel 4, as you would imagine, loads of films and then Big Fat Quiz of the Year. The only new thing on Boxing Day night on Channel 5 is World's Strongest Man 2020, which I know Luke uh, is invested in every year, so he'll be... Yes, very very much. There are a couple of things on before actual Christmas Mm. week. Yeah, go for it. Like uh, the Motherland Christmas special, they've not done one, that should be interesting. And an hour-long Christmas special of Gone Fishing... Uh, Mortimer and White House. Is that this sun? Is this is that next Sunday? Is it next Sunday? As we yeah, next Sunday. Yeah. Which is all I want for Christmas is to spend a bit more time with them. And then the big thing on New Year's Day. Uh, previously we've had Sherlock's there. We've had Dracula last year. This year it's a brand new drama called The Serpent, uh, which is again a co-production with Netflix in the US, and that's going to be on and- uh, New Year's Day. Uh, which, which is alongside a new Doctor Who that, as we said, you know, some of the cast are leaving. They're bringing back John Barryman, aren't they, as well? So look forward to that. <laughs> if you're that way inclined. So that is Christmas this year. Anything you are... I mean, there's nothing really to get excited about. No. But, uh, but I think the same trying. things you are, really. You know, Mortimer and, and White House. Um, I never really stuck with Motherland, but that's an interesting one to bring bring back for christmas all the game shows we talked about and actually looking back at some of these older schedules game shows have always been part of you know of the schedules really whether it be like generation game yeah a big break strike it lucky there was one year where itv on christmas day had like three episodes of who wants to be a millionaire you know we complain about all this no dramas or comedies but that's always been part of christmas really and there's, I suppose Dunkirk is the big film, because that's the other thing at Christmas when we were younger, it was... Mm, yeah, and actually, film. you're right there, because looking at that, most Christmas days until about, like, 2004, 2005, there was a big film in the show, like, 2000, for example, the big thing on BBC One on Christmas night was the the premiere of Titanic. So I think we I think we reminisce about as you say these Christmas specials and what have you, but they were sort of around early evening or later on. Normally the big thing before, you know, EastEnders was the the jewel in the crown was a film was a, a big film movie, movie premiere. So you know I think it it has evolved over time. And to be fair to the broadcasters, films are really hard. People have either owned owned them on Blu-ray by the time or DVD by the time they come round. Or it's ended up on a streaming service, um, Amazon or Netflix. So the big films aren't a draw. But I think Dunkirk is a a good example of something where if you have a multi-generational group of people around your house on on Boxing Day and they're all separate in different rooms, (laughs) they can all watch Dunkirk slightly delayed. And that's the thing, isn't it? I don't think there's any... Because last year, Gavin and Stacey was the thing where everyone was... Around the TV, I think appeals to most people, but there's—I don't think there's anything there. Maybe the Britain's Got Talent. I think that's ITV's thinking. As much as I won't watch it, I can understand. <laughs> but, the, I, I can't I tell can, you how much I won't be. No, watching I, that. we haven't got the time for me to go into why I won't be watching. But I just—I think that that's inoffensive. 
there's something in there for everybody and it's a show you could never have seen in your life and perhaps get something from. So I think they've done really well. As I won't have a clue what's going on. I tried to watch 10 minutes of it the other night. I'm watching it now and it's not making a lot of sense to me. So you're fine. Okay, so that is Christmas 2020. Another crappy Christmas on TV to go with what has been a a terrible year. Um, But yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. And to all a good night. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today.